0: Hey everybody, welcome to Central in Janesville, the sermon podcast for the Janesville campus of Central Christian Church. Today we've got a short devotional podcast to go along with our regular Sunday sermon podcasts. This is your campus pastor, Kellen Anderson. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining me for today's devotional. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about a guy from the Old Testament. Um, And maybe in high school, you've heard something uh, or been in a situation like this before. You're at the lunch table with a group of friends, and somebody else's name comes up. And uh, one of your friends, or maybe you yourself, say, Man, I can't stand that girl. She's such a gossip. She's always talking behind people's backs. Uh, I heard that she once cheated on her boyfriend with like five other guys. What's wrong with this picture? It's a case of blaming and judging somebody else for doing the exact same thing that you're guilty of doing at the time. And there's a word that we have for this. It's called hypocrisy. How about a doctor, a Phi Ed teacher who doesn't exercise and is really unhealthy? Kind of hypocritical. How about a guy on your team who who yells at you to pass the ball just so that he can shoot? Also kind of hypocritical, although maybe you're just really not good at shooting, okay? Uh, But today we're going to take a look at a man in the Bible named Judah who he lives out this same type of hypocrisy. We find this story in Genesis chapter 38. And it begins with a man named Judah, who he had three sons named Ur, Onan, and Shelah. Shelah. Uh, Judah found a wife for his son Ur, and her name was Tamar. Unfortunately, Ur was wicked and he died at a young age before Tamar was able to conceive. And so the ritual in the biblical times was for the next brother in line to take the wife of his dead brother. To conceive a child for him, so that it, that would be now the family line of the dead brother. In other words, it was Onan's obligation. His this is it. That's his brother uh, to to take Tamar as his wife and conceive a son for his deceased brother. Well, Onan didn't want to do this, and we read in chapter uh, in chapter thirty-eight of Genesis. Uh, It says, but Onan knew that his offspring would not be his. So whenever he lay with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from producing offspring for his brother. And the Lord was not happy with Onan's actions, and so he actually put Onan to death. So now both Ur and Nonan, Judah's Judah's two oldest sons, they were dead. And so he started to think, maybe this is because of Tamar. And so Judah sent Tamar to live with her father, saying, live, live as a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought he may die too, just like his brothers. And so Tamar went to live in her father's house. Now Judah never actually intended to give Shelah over to, to be Tamar's husband. Um, after a long time, the Bible says that Judah's wife finally died, and after a time of his grief, It is said that he decided to go to the town of Timnah to visit the men who were shearing his sheep. And one of Tamar's friends came to her and told her this. And to make a long story short, what happens is Tamar, because she hadn't been given this new husband that she was expecting, Tamar dresses up as a prostitute and Judah propositions her for sex, not knowing who she is. He pledges to give her a young goat in payment, uh, and as part of that pledge, he gives her his sealed, his cord, and his staff, which were kind of a sort of collateral until he pays her. When he tries to pay her with a goat, Tamar can't be found, and Judah doesn't want to make a big deal of the situation because he knows he did something wrong, so so he just says, forget about it. She, this, whoever this woman is has my possessions. And then we read later on in Genesis 38 that about three months later, Judah is told, your daughter-in-law, Tamar, is guilty of prostitution. And as a result, she's now pregnant. Judah said, bring her out and have her burned to death. And as she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. She said, I'm pregnant by the man who owns these. And she added, see if you recognize the seal and cord and staff that these are. And Judah recognized them and said, she's more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son, Sheila. And he did not sleep with her again. Now, there's a lot of interesting points to focus on, I think, that we can learn from from this story. The first one is this. Judah's hypocrisy was rightly exposed. How often do we blame people for the things that we ourselves are guilty of? Uh, now, now we, we cannot judge people, but there are times where it's we can be correct in in correcting people where they've done things wrong. Um, uh, How different are these two scenarios? Think about this. Let's say that I come to find that someone I know has cheated on a test. And I was found guilty of the same thing in class last year, and I got suspended for it. Which of these two reactions would be appropriate, if either of them? The first one, you go to the person, you say, you're unbelievable, how could you do that? You're going to get in so much trouble for doing what you did, I hope they kick you out of school. Or your second reaction could be, this wasn't a very good thing that you did. I did the same thing last year, and it was wrong, and I paid the price. You need to either go and tell the teacher what you did, or I'm going to have to do that for you. See, the second way, you're not judging, but you're aiming to help that person become better. What else do we see in this story from Judah? The second thing I think we see is that Judah wrongfully desired to cover up and hide his sin from other people's knowledge. If you're finding yourself wanting to hide or cover up an action, then guess what? You've probably done something that you shouldn't have done. We need to keep that in mind. If you're trying to hide up your sin, you probably did something wrong. The third thing that we see in this story is that temptation to sin is always just around the corner. Judah had just gotten over the grief of losing his long-loved wife. uh, And he falls for the first temptation that comes to him. This first prostitute that he sees, he decides to have sex with her. Sin has a way of finding us and tempting us when we are at our most vulnerable points. Always be on your guard and ask God to help you in overcoming and staying clear of those temptations. The fourth thing is this. The consequences of sexual sin are no different for a man or a woman in God's eyes, even though society tends to place more guilt upon females. That's what Judah was trying to do in this story but we see that, that both parties are guilty. The fifth thing, uh, men's lust and women's desire for children are never excusable reasons for committing sexual sin. Uh, Judas simply wanted to please his physical desires for sex. Uh, his wife had died a little while ago, and, and he just wanted to do what he wanted to do. Tamar just wanted to have a child. Neither of these reasons are valid reasons in God's eyes for them to engage in a sexual relationship with one another. Marriage is really the only place that God has created for sex to take place in a healthy way. Having sex for anything other than an expression between a husband and a wife, it simply is just not wise, and it's unhealthy emotionally and spiritually and relationally. It goes against what our world wants to believe, Uh, but this world is also emotionally, spiritually and relationally broken. I think it's important for you to remember that. Uh, The sixth thing here that I think we see is sinning once doesn't give you the okay to go on sinning. After Judah failed once with Tamar, the Bible actually says that he did not sleep with her again. Too many people assume that because they messed up, that they're just doomed, and so they might as well just keep on going and doing the same thing over and over again. Once you mess up, you can seek and receive forgiveness, and God treats you as though you never committed a previous sin. Ultimately, this story is about the hypocrisy of finding fault in others when you've done it yourself. And the hypocrisy of doing what you know is unacceptable to God. And so I want to connect this all back to Jesus, if we can, for a minute. Jesus was never a hypocrite. He never actually sinned. But even though he never sinned, he also never sat in judgment over other people. He lovingly corrected tax cheats and prostitutes in a way that they chose to follow him. He did come down hard on religious zealots, though. He came down hard on them because... uh, They were the hypocrites of the day. Jesus said that those who who don't forgive, their sins won't be forgiven. When you see other people sin, be reminded that you are no better. Lovingly find ways to, to point people in the direction of Jesus and never try to point to yourself as the one who is right and has all the right answers. Let's pray about this idea of hypocrisy today because I think it's something that we all struggle with. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, I thank you that Jesus is, is not a hypocrite, that when he corrects me, it's in love. And God, I am guilty at so many times throughout my life of being a hip, hypocrite and accusing people of things that I myself am completely guilty of. God, I pray that today, every single one of us, as we go about our day, that you would show us those moments of hypocrisy, uh, that we would uh, love people well, that we would not judge people over the same things that we struggle doing ourselves. Um, God, show us the error of our own ways uh, so that we can correct that and and be more like Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Central and Janesville. Be sure to subscribe to the Central and Janesville podcast to keep up to date with each of our teachings. Thanks.